welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. Okay, so hi everybody and welcome to another Asking Eve podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Lara in the loft, although she is in another room because we're recording this podcast over Zoom, because our guest today is in another part of Scotland completely. Um, But I would love to welcome Bailey Adioti, who is joining us today from whereabouts are you in Scotland, tell us. I'm joining you guys from Glasgow. Oh, lovely. And is it sunny in Glasgow today? It's very dull. Oh, very is it? Dull today. Yeah, it's quite surprising. It's meant to be 20 degrees, but um, very dull. But it was fitting this morning when I was dropping my son off at summer camp uh-huh. and all the kids were turning up in shorts. And shorts. I was thinking, oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> Mums and dads know something that I don't because he's in jeans. <laughs> I think that's the thing when you grow up in Scotland you you know you get used to wearing shorts and t-shirts in the rain because you know you're always optimistic but then there's you have to be realistic as well eh? I'm the realistic mum so he's well done well done and a t-shirt but still got a big thick jacket in case that type <laughs> ah, well of so um interestingly enough the three of us know each other but we know each other through different channels don't we so you and I are quite active in terms of um supporting female entrepreneurs and our paths crossed um as a result of our work with the Royal Bank of Scotland so obviously we have Advance and Eve and you have Decomai which we'll talk about soon um but you and Lara know each other for your um respective work with Young Enterprise Scotland don't you yes we do very recently though I think we've both had a lot more meetings I think we've seen each other like twice this week already (laughs) (laughs) always on whatsapp yes definitely definitely so um that's a bit I suppose a little bit about how we came to be recording the podcast today but let's start with um asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself so we know you're in Glasgow that we know you have a, a a little one but um tell us a bit about you yourself your career what it is you do and how you balance all of that so um as you had said my name is Bailey so I grew up um, in Malawi I've born in Malawi and I moved to England when I was four and a half. So it was quite a lot for me to adapt to the English language. Um, and the funny thing is, I still think in a different language. Really? I speak, oh. and that's apparently multilinguist. When you learn a language at a young age, your brain adapts differently. So yeah, um, it took me a while to learn English. I was always writing in Chichewa, but I was fluently translating things in English and then um, moved up to Scotland after my parents divorced and I went to school in Glasgow and that's where I call home because that's where even though I've lived in different places all my life Glasgow is the place I've lived the longest mm-hmm. so I went to um, Highland Secondary School in the west end of Glasgow and I was inspired by the work of Young Enterprise I didn't understand it at the time but um, I think especially in the um, Afro-Caribbean community in the ethnic minority communities, parents will always push their children to do STEM subjects. And that's where my dad was pushing me towards. And even though I was good at it, 
I just felt more creative and that's where I was drawn to. So the Young Enterprise Programme um, gave me that opportunity to explore business. I did go and do computer science for my sins. <laughs> and um, I was the only girl out of 27, which was obviously it's probably still a reflection in the um, classrooms and in the uni rooms right now that there's still not that many women in doing STEM subjects. Um, as much as I loved it, it wasn't where my passion was. So I dropped out and I went on to explore business. I did business and international languages, which I was definitely drawn to. I thrived doing that. I picked up German, um, which I had only studied like really basic German, but I picked up German and did it at um, a business level. And that's where I became started becoming a serial entrepreneur. So I worked at the time I worked for um, leisure companies, leisure and hospitality companies, but I was always exploring buying and selling things on eBay and um, yeah, I have a passion for selling unique one-off things on eBay and selling hair extensions, beauty products. And then um, I later went on with my work in hospitality. I went on to set up Decamai, which is a social enterprise that empowers um, women and youths from ethnic minority backgrounds into leadership roles in hospitality, as well as just spotlighting ethnic minorities in leadership roles in hospitalities but also helping um, marginalized communities set up their own enterprises and supporting them doing that. Wow, you're so, so busy. Yeah. Uh, just kind of stepping back a stage, uh, what did your dad say when you decided to quit the, the kind of computer course? Because I mean, if you, you talk about there's a real um, drive to get people to study STEM and if, if he thought that was where you should go was he disappointed or was he quite supportive of your decision? I took a while to tell him and then he found out himself because um, I had decided to do it at Bell College at the time which is UWS and they contacted him really concerned because I was only 16 at the time when I was doing it and they concerned because um, I had missed school so he found me at my part-time job which is a certain fast food um, restaurant with a drive-through so <laughs> he turned up at the drive-thru all this order coming in and oh, I was the no. drive-through specialist and I was like here's your meal have a nice day and it was my dad <laughs> <laughs> and he was like so this is where you've been going instead of college <laughs> so he waited for me to finish my shift he turned up like 10 minutes for my shift so he waited for me to finish my shift drove me home and then he just explained to me that he wasn't disappointed he just would have liked it if I'd told him at the time mm -hmm. and and it was the perfect opportunity because I had the summer and then he would help me apply for other courses and he sat me down and asked me like what was I passionate about and I was like well you know I'm good with languages I pick languages up easily and I feel like I should do business because that will let me explore different things so I was already doing marketing and um, part-time so I said to him I can explore other avenues like accountancy and sales and see where my strength is but if not I can just use them all together at once and that was actually a blessing in disguise. So, so you had your case for your defence all already. Oh, I think yeah. it's interesting though. I mean, we we really aim to support younger um, girls and females as well, like from the age of eleven. And I do, I do think that sometimes there is there is the 
expectation that there is uh, pressure from parents to pursue a, a certain path. And I think it, it was worth just having that chat through, you know, because um, we would hope that people listening to this, if they're kind of not sure about what they're doing and they think their parents are keen for them to pursue one um, career option, I think the, the message here is, you know, it's worth just kind of having that conversation. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's your life, isn't it? So Definitely. Yeah. even for parents listening, especially from ethnic minority backgrounds, it's for you to also realise that you're not going to be the one working in that career. It's your children. And I've seen many of my friends who've had to do a uni degree so that they can just say, OK, to their parents, I've done it. And then as soon as they finish the degree, mm. whether it's engineering or law or medicine, as soon as they get that fourth year, they drop out and they go and do something creative like um, psychology or um, art. And it's something that their parents would never have allowed them to do unless they had that degree. Really? And is that a social, is that socially driven that there is that expectation that you would go into medicine or law or something because you want to achieve a, a sort of certain or a perceived certain status within society do you, do you know what what kind of drives that at all it's, it is status it's security too because i think especially like even to mention business um i was talking to somebody and she always she, she's an older woman with three grown-up children even older than me and she was talking about how business is an addition to their career. So one's a doctor, I can't remember the other one works in IT. So she said that any, she always sees business as something that you add on, but it's not a career. And I was sitting there going, oh. all right, okay. <laughs> um, so there's certain careers that are seen as careers and then everything else is just an add on. Oh. And I think it is, it comes down to security and um, the reliability and are you always going to get work? Are you always going to get income? Are you always going to be given opportunities? So I can understand the hesitation, but um, I would just say go for it. Go for it. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's really interesting. Uh, so you're you have your family, yeah. uh, you have your business, uh, you're kind of a social entrepreneur, but you're also a public speaker and a church leader and an SQA assessor. So how on earth do you fit all this into a day? <laughs> so um I guess to to turn it to flip it round, um, God always first for me. So um, everything I do is for God and who he's created me to be. Um, so I wake up every day before I do anything, I pray and I commit my day to God. Um, and then the second thing is my family. So um, my son's well-being, like we've taken ages to book this session in because I know he loves being around me. I love being around him and especially in the summer holidays. Um, I want to make sure he's got as much of me as possible and even with my husband. So I'll tend to think like how will it affect my family if I do this. Um, so today was one of the days at summer camp and that's why we've managed to organize this. And then um, I make sure I allocate certain days. So even um, the way I work, I work continental hours. So I work um, when he's normally in nursery, I'll work from half nine until half two or two o'clock to let myself unwind. And then, and those are office hours for most people. So I schedule meetings and then I'm a nocturnal person anyway. So I tend to work later on. So I tend to resume work 
after he's gone to sleep. So about nine o'clock and I finish at one. So if you ever get an email from me, then that's why I have to force myself to go to sleep. And then I wake up at half six um, every day. So um, with the SQA work and half six, half six to half seven is me praying, me writing in my gratitude journal, me committing any prayer requests that I have um, to God and just me thanking God for um, waking up that morning. So I always think if you can commit the first part of your day to your faith and to what you believe and it'll help you because I found myself like just rushing out the door because I'm late and then I just see that I don't have any peace throughout the whole day and I'm thinking about my husband and thinking about my son because maybe I was just so agitated when I was getting ready and I was getting my son ready but it's important I think structure even just writing everything down I always say to people if it's not on my phone then that appointment or that meeting does not exist mm-hmm. um, but I also like to write things down in an actual paper diary and just um, take a note of how my day looks and schedule time for myself so I've got an hour today and I've committed half an hour of just dreaming and then I've also committed half an hour to following up on different things um, so I think, yeah, scheduling your time is really important. I do have free time. Um, I like to commit my weekends to seeing people, hanging out with people. It's I think balance is so important. We've seen that in the past 18 months about um, not just your job will always be there and work will always be there. I know I'm saying that and I'm a social entrepreneur, but um, I just think there's more important things in life. And I've seen that um, how you impact people is really important but how you impact those around you those closest to you is even more important that's what they're the ones who are going to see every single day i'm definitely going to put half an hour in my diary for dreaming lara that sounds ideal (laughs) you have to do it consistently every single week because your brain does not know the difference between reality and dreaming so I guess that's where um, the power like manifestation and things so the more you consistently dream Mm -hmm. the more your brain thinks that's a reality and it'll start processing that as your reality yes I like that definitely (laughs) how do you um have the self-discipline to kind of keep maintain the structure and the routine of each day because I think a lot of people I talk to say, oh, I wish I could get up and you know, read for an hour every day or do their version of what is important to them. But they do it for about a week and then, you know, the habit's gone or the good practice is gone. How do you maintain it and keep yourself? Kind of- um, well, it takes 21 days to form a habit. So I think if you can do it for 21 days. And then the other thing is, um, I think it's also to learn your own learning style. So um, it is easier for me to... Like I have the audio Bible because I love audio books. Reading is a bit harder for me. So even listening to the Bible and taking the note of things without any distractions. Um, so just committing that time and then even committing about 15 minutes, bursts of 15 minutes throughout the day of either reading part of a book and then listening to the audio version of the book and then reading it again because I thought, well, if people like um, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates can read, spend five hours a week reading and they're where they are, then surely I can do that too because I've got the same hours in the day. Yeah, they've got personal assistance and everything else, but when it comes to reading and personal development, 
I think that's something that you should be able to commit and just see how you read it. And it might even just be that it could take you a month to read a book, but commit a month to reading a book. I try and commit a month and I say the same to my team. I always quiz them and say, what book are you reading? And if they've not read a book, then it's like, why have you not read a book? And it's not even just a book to develop yourself. It could just be a book, um, whether it's a novel or something, just something to get your creativity going and your imagination going. And it's also you committing that time to your own, not only personal development, but self-care too, because you're learning or you're just unwinding with a book. So, um, or a movie, it might be that you watch a movie. I was, I did a course last month and there was lots of um, documentaries and movies they recommended from Netflix. And I thought I need to dedicate time to watch these movies and these documentaries because once again, they're like so important when it comes to different case studies and teaching theories and other things. Oh, you'll need to let us know what they recommend then. We're both uh, big readers as well. but I had never really thought about watching movies or, or something on Netflix as being part of my kind of self-development. So yeah, you, you'll need to share us. And we'll need to get you, we actually have a, a book club as part of Advancing Eve as well. So you'll need to kind of, we'll let you know about that and maybe get you yeah. to do a couple of recommendations for us. Yes, definitely. I've got lots of books I recommend to people. Oh, fantastic. Perfect, perfect. Um, so you talk a lot about your personal life and how that influences you starting your business and how the two kind of work together. What experiences do you think brought you to start Decomai and really begin the first step to starting your first business? Um, when I was younger, like, well, my parents split. Um, we moved to Malawi for a year and a half with my mum and she had a job but the job wasn't enough to supplement an income for um her my sister and i she wanted us to go to a private school so we would keep our um english and everything whilst with government schools english wasn't the first language that they taught so um she started different enterprises so she would sell chickens and whenever she went to a foreign country she would bring back spices and different bits of furniture but even before she went she would tell people i'm going to this country what would you like me to bring back for you so you can buy so she was already getting the when she went to the country she was basically knew she had customers to buy the products and so she was always selling our house was always full with people coming to pick things up and it wasn't even secondhand, it was like brand new things. So yeah, my mum was inspiration for me being the, like as my first entrepreneur and seeing entrepreneurs. And then I think it was just people around me. And um, that job that I worked in, that part-time job, my first official part-time job, um, one of the things that we had to do was obviously learn about the company. And I always use the company as a case study. And I still know the company and that's one of the doc- documentaries that I would recommend for you to watch on Netflix. It's called Founder. Oh. So if you watch Founder, you'll know who I worked for. Um, and I know that company like off the back of my head. The other company I know is United Colors of Benetton because I work there too. Sorry, I just didn't drop that one. But um, <laughs> even just their ethos and marketing, their branding, I learned a lot from them. So how they worked, how come I studied a lot, how companies worked, what drove them, why they were created. I always think knowing your why and your purpose is so important. So 
um, I think just seeing that different aspect of entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and um, but apart from my mom I never had anyone around me close show me that yeah. um, so it did take me it was a long journey to get into the stage mm -hmm. when I started something because I thought can I do it like it's always other people doing it and then one day I just thought well why can't I do it so with selling things and I was always good like my mom finding products and selling it to other people or not even just buying something for myself and then having people in the street saying where did you get that from and then saying oh I actually sell it just on the spot I actually sell it <laughs> here's my contact details you can contact me and then scrambling to get those things to make sure that um I could fulfill the order so that's the way um I guess everything I would say like I am the sum total of every person I've ever met and yeah. every experience I've ever had obviously me and my my mum we started Vance and Eve together so very similar I saw you know my mum start McGowan marketing and leave her job and kind of take steps into you know starting up her own business and that definitely inspired me to think oh I could do that too so what did your mum say when you started DefWise? So my mum um, always saw me as a social entrepreneur and she was the one who introduced me to social enterprises and she told me she basically put everybody on my path that would help me with the social enterprise um, and I once again self-doubt thinking can I do it and she's like yes you can do it and she made sure I had everyone that could help me so I did a pilot scheme for a social enterprise and it worked out really well but once again I was still like oh my goodness can I do it can I do it so I actually put that one on hold because um government regulations changed and I just it was a perfect excuse for me to say no I can't do it anymore because the government had changed the regulations and now it's going to be harder I don't want to jump through hoops um but I'd already got like the SQA assessors qualification so everything had just fallen in place but I put it on hold and it was um I think it was three years later I was on the train to Edinburgh to sorry on the train to Kirkcaldy but from the Glasgow Haymarket um stage I sat across from um somebody and she was telling me she's going to pitch for um some pants and I was like pants you're going to pitch for pants what is this and she said oh I'm going to start a social enterprise help women who've had trauma and blah blah and my selling point are these empowerment pants and she just whipped out these pants on the train I thought wow and um, the social entrepreneur Sylvia Douglas from Miss Miss Misses and she was going to pitch for 500 pounds and I always used to think like she's going to pitch and she was just so full of confidence I didn't know it was 500 pounds I thought she was going to pitch for like 10,000 pounds yeah. it was only last year she was like can you believe that was for 500 pounds I was like wow <laughs> um and she got her 500 pounds and she did her pilot scheme but I followed her journey and I saw how she was doing I saw how she was progressing and how amazing she's doing right now and that kind of spurred me on and especially with Decami, it was people coming to me saying to me how did you get your operations role how did you get the company car and I was thinking okay there's opportunities here for me to help people from marginalized communities get into leadership roles or even just get that work experience um in hospitality so that's how Decami came about and I trialed it and tested it and the income was coming in and had to explain to funders what exactly we did and why we did it but 
yeah, that was 2018 and we're still here. Well, I think both Lara and I will, will be able to relate to a lot of what, what you've just kind of said. I mean, you know, we're really early stages with Advance and Eve, but, and I, I feel so much better that I have Lara there and I'm sure Lara feels, because if one of us is having a wee bit of a down day, we've got the other. So yeah, absolutely right. well done to you for pushing forward and, you know, going and going and doing it on your own as in, you know, you don't have a, a daughter who's business partner. Yeah. yeah, business partner. So, so well done. No, you guys inspire me for that partnership aspect. So it is good. Um, I think I'm fortunate in a way though, um, I've had people come outside me in the journey and they've supported Decamai maybe on the consultancy level and then they've come in to help Decamai for a season mm-hmm. um, or for a while. So, so you I think felt it's like always the right people too. Yeah. 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 Well, Lara and I have some real Barneys, though. It's quite funny every now and again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, for the most part, we are absolutely professional business partners, but every now and again, we, we regress into mother-daughter. Daughter. <laughs> Everyone around us just ducks down. Ducks <laughs> It's quite funny. I mean, it isn't funny actually, but you know, it, it is what it is. Eh? You know, um, you're, you you're, can't expect you're, it. To- not slip into mother exactly. I think it would be unnatural, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned marginalized communities there. Um how do you feel or how do you think it feels to be a young black or ethnic minority woman in Scotland in 2021? I mean, do you feel that progress has been made that's resulted in equality, or is there still a, a significant way to go, do you think? I still think there's a significant way to go. Um, I think after George Floyd, there was progress and conversations being made. But then when you look back about the impact that companies have had and the things that they've pledged, they've not, and obviously things don't happen overnight. And, but I think there's still progress. I know there are some companies who made pledges and they have, um, come back to see the impact of the things that they've done so far which is well done to them yeah. and the fact that they are being transparent but I think when it comes to opportunities especially with the women that we deal with with the young girls that we also deal with um, they don't see the opportunities and maybe they're not hearing about the opportunities that um, I think that's the biggest thing they're not hearing about the opportunities out there for them okay. and even I always think I know what it's like to not hear about an opportunity to see it and think, why did no one tell me about this? Or why did no one highlight this? Um, So there are some hurdles that we still need to overcome, but I think we're going in the right direction and it is just a case of still focusing on the end goal, which is equality for all. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important that we are very mindful of that and that we're aware of that as well. Because I think it's dead easy to get caught up in superficial lip service. People yeah. will quite quickly jump on a bandwagon, you know, as you've mentioned last year, where they, you know, there was a lot of energy and effort and focus, but it's so easy to slip away, isn't it, and off the radar. And then there is yeah. there is that um ability to not be held to account to what you what you've stated that yeah. you're going to do. Yeah, definitely. Actually, like on even on your LinkedIn, you always post uh, like opportunities for people. So like even beyond just your business, you do little things to try and 
you know make sure people have opportunities and see them and don't miss out on them it's quite nice that you do oh do lara that. i post them everywhere i post them in my whatsapp statuses I post <laughs> them. i'm in different community groups i share it and i say to people you need to share this opportunity because and even if you just post it on your whatsapp status post it on your facebook so anything i post on linkedin because i know the um 18 to 24 year olds aren't going to be on LinkedIn. So yeah. make sure I try and post them as much as possible and to different networks. So everyone does find out. And I guess it's down to them whether they apply for it. The fact that they are made aware of it. So the aim of Advancing Eve is to facilitate peer-to-peer -peer network where women support each other or females support each other. What more could we do then to support a black and ethnic minority women in Scotland? Um, I think one of the things that I would probably say is, um, I guess, and something that I will also do is promote your services more mm. and try and get more um, ethnic minority, especially the young um, demographic that you're looking for into yeah. your network so they can find that support. I think the peer-to-peer -peer support is so important so that they can see mm. other people like them yeah. um, in those groups and then getting that support and moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it is about maybe your visible presence being more out there and for people to know more about you and what you do too. So that's also my, um, I'll take ownership of that too. <laughs> well, anytime that we can do anything, I mean, we could probably have another conversation um, yeah. out, out with the podcast and yeah. what we can do to support each other. So, yeah. Um, so um, supporting the, the, you know, the 18, 24, the young age groups are really important to you as well um, um, as part of your business. So you're also involved with Young Enterprise Scotland with myself. Um, why do you think that after completing the programme when you were younger, you felt in a pull to return to volunteering for the organisation now and like today? I think my biggest drive is the fact that business is still not seen as a career mm -hmm. in the ethnic minority community. And when you have organisations like Young Enterprise who empower all children from children age to yeah and just before they go to university or college into a financial freedom and then giving them the opportunity to have a business i think every child should get access to that i still don't know how i was chosen for the young enterprise program but i'm so grateful for it and we had two groups in my school so i'm grateful that i was given the opportunity um, but I think it's something that marginalised communities need to know more about and they need to, um, the children in those communities need to get access to programmes like Young Enterprise. They can see that, okay, you're not gifted to do tech um, or fintech or whatever, mm -hmm. but you could go into business and that can be a career. You can go study in college or university or you could Equally. just have lived experience in doing a business but with the right support which Young Enterprise provides and then other yeah. organisations like DECMI, like yourselves, provide too. So in my school, when, um, so my mum also did Young Enterprise when you know she was at school, uh, but when- In the last came, millennium. <laughs> 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 
um, but when it, so in my school, it was the first year that it had, well, like first or second year it had been back because it kind of in the borders just disappeared for a while. And everyone in my uh, school didn't really want to do it. And we were, I was one of the only people that were was enthusiastic about taking part in the programme. So what would you say to um, a young girl or any young person that's maybe a little bit sceptical of taking part in the programme or just getting involved with Young Enterprise Scotland? To encourage them. I would say do it definitely do it nothing should stop you and nothing should hold you back this is your opportunity for you to learn more about yourself to learn more about working in a team and with others to see different personalities but to also grow and develop something and mm -hmm. it could be something that you work on and then you later want to develop but I think it's a great opportunity and even just for someone for a confidence level, um, it'll increase your confidence in working with people, speaking with people, mm -hmm. and just dealing with the general public. Um, so me and you are both um, involved on the like alumni board. How can other listeners kind of participate in that and help us grow that board from your perspective, that community? Definitely join the LinkedIn group as a Young Enterprise alumni LinkedIn group. Um, but there's also volunteer opportunities. You might not want to commit to being part of the alumni, um, but you can volunteer for Young Enterprise. I think that's the thing that what I love about them is there's an opportunity for all. And um, I work out the Young Enterprise office on a Thursday and I just see even just volunteers going in to make lunches for the children that are there or to help with a garden. So there's an opportunity for everyone, whether you've been part of the Young Enterprise program or not, there mm -hmm. is something for you to do to help the future generation and um, become all them purpose to be basically. Because mm -hmm. it's quite important. There's so many organizations, you know, Advancing Me, My Young Enterprise and so many more that all kind of have the same goal roughly. We all tackle it from a different approach yeah. but we all want to achieve the same thing so yeah. partnership and encouraging each other and supporting each other's businesses and not seeing them as competition no. in itself is well, it's a challenge but also a big asset that you're able to do that and work yeah. with other organizations as well and I think as the thing is Lara like yourself and myself we've gone into young enterprise because we've seen the impact that it's had on our lives yeah um, and we want to give back to the people that are doing the program now um, and even for the future generation. So it is that power of putting aside me and putting aside myself and thinking, how can I help others? How can I impact the community? How can I help other people? And whether it's just being present at an event or just um, giving a voice to something or creating an event as we're doing going forward, I think that's so important and um, sometimes we can get so caught up in achieving things for ourselves or for our organisations but mm. um, when we volunteer and when we're part of something like Young Enterprise it's about a bigger picture it's not about us and what we're doing it's about a bigger picture. So um, obviously faith is super important to you and um, actually faith is quite an important part of Lara's life as well 
Uh, and that's something that she came to completely on her own because neither her uh, dad or myself have, we don't follow any religion and I don't think we would consider ourselves as being big on faith of, of any sort really, I suppose, other than ourselves or our, our legs for getting us up and going every day. Um, if you, but it seems, I always look on, and I suppose this is really a bit, should, I should be taking this as a bit of a catalyst. I always look upon people with faith and gain a real sense of serenity with them. You know, it's like there's just something else there. So if you were going to kind of pitch faith to me as something that I should look at, what would you say? You know, how would you kind of give it a, a bit of an elevator pitch? Um, I think <laughs> I always had a faith, but I didn't realise it. And I was thinking about this last night. It was like, it's as if like you know somebody. Mm -hmm. So I knew God, I knew Jesus, I knew of them, I knew Easter, but I didn't have a relationship with them. And that's the difference with um, Christianity and the faith is having a relationship with God. So to know that when I pray to God, he hears all my prayers and my prayers will get answered. And sometimes he doesn't answer them the way I expect them to, him to answer, but he answers them every, all the time. And he might not answer them immediately because I like immediate answers, but he will always <laughs> answer them. And I see that. So when you have a relationship with someone, you want to spend time with them. Your mother and daughter, you spend time with together as a family, but you spend time together as a business, as business partners too. And I think that's what it's like. Everyone has a hole in their heart and you always look to fill that hole with things and with, whether it's like material things, whether it's money, but everyone's, that hole will never be filled because it's a God-shaped hole. Mm. So only God can fill that hole. And when that hole is filled, when your heart is whole, you'll realize that that's where the peace comes from. So yeah. things will um, come against you. Um, but you'll always have peace. So I lost my mother in March this year. She was my biggest cheerleader, but she was such a woman of faith. And as much as it hurt me, because I knew God was going to heal her, yeah. but the way he healed her was not the way I expected her. He healed her by taking her away. Yeah. And But he told me he was going to, he'd spoken so many people um, and he said, she's going to be healed. So when she was taken away from us, I was like, okay, God, that was not what I was expecting. But I had peace throughout it all. I had peace because I knew she had done what she was meant to. She created the impact. She, yeah, she was young, but she was still loved. And mm -hmm. she's in a better place now. And mm -hmm. um, I've got peace. And it's hard. The grief process is so hard. But I have got so much peace. I've got so, so much peace. And my family have got peace. Her friends who are all Christians have all got peace too. Yeah, it's not right that she's not here, but we know we're going to be reunited with her in heaven and we're all going to be singing and dancing. And right now, everyone, when she passed away, it was just before Easter and everyone was like, oh my goodness, she'll be loving it because Easter is my, was my mom's favorite time of the year. And they said, your mom, we can just imagine your mom up in heaven dancing with God. And that's a picture that I have because that's the joy that I have and the confidence I have in God. God, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah, I love it. 
<laughs> I mean, that is just, it's painful and it's, but it's beautiful at the same time, you know, and I think um, you described that wonderfully. And actually that alone is something that, that would make somebody want to, to really look at having faith because the pain of losing your mother but having the peace at the same time. I mean, um, not that faith should be about giving you something, you know, getting something from it without giving back, but to be able to have that, to say that, um, which must be really difficult because it's, you know, March is not that long ago. No. But you do seem to have a, you know, a real tranquility and a, and a, and a confidence and an assurance yeah. when you're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe not the situation that you would have wanted now, but it's, temporary and actually there is something else and it's just a matter of time really isn't yeah. it yeah definitely. yeah definitely. oh well we did a far better job of um like pitching faith than I ever have managed to do because <laughs> then people always ask me I never really know know what to say well I do um, think it's quite a difficult thing to articulate especially in 2021 I mean if you if you look at society today, you know, faith is either completely eroded away or it's or it's manifested in some situations mm -hmm. to be something seen as quite a negative or almost radicalized or fundamentalized, which is never was never really the purpose of faith, was it? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it is a difficult ask to ask somebody to pitch faith, you know, it's, it's almost contentious. So um, yeah. no, honestly, I've actually got tears in my, in my eyes. Uh, so I'm sorry to hear yeah. that, but yeah. I just wanted, um, when people ask me like why I believe and I always tell them what Jesus has done for me, what God has done for me. And I guess that's the most recent experience. I could have told you why I turned back to faith 10 years ago. And that was obviously experiencing a miracle in my mom's life when she was given the kidney that God gave her. But the most recent experience I've had it and it's a daily experience I have with God and Jesus, but how he's helped me over the past um, four or five months mm -hmm. and how he sustained me, how I wake up every morning, how I have joy and yeah. seeing joy and seeing everything beautiful and not having letting go of any hurt, any disappointment. That's what I need to tell you. Okay, okay. Oh, no, I'm so really, really grateful to you for sharing that, actually, because I think that it, that, that is, it sounds quite personal. But, I, you know, I've certainly taken a lot from that. And I really hope that there are some of our listeners that take from that as well, because I think it's it's so important. You know, you've had a horrendous year. A lot of people will have had a really difficult time. And if there's anything that we can share that can help people in any way, I think, you know, that's ultimately what we want to do. Yeah, definitely. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very, very much for sharing that. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I think I think that's us, actually. We've, we've covered all of our questions, Lara, unless there's anything else that you want to, to add. No, is there anything else that um, you want to mention to anyone listening um i just want to thank you guys for having me thank you for um, thank you for that was my cancellations and um <laughs> i think just thank you for what you do promoting um the female entrepreneurship and just even the female support the network as when i first met you guys you were talking about being at the borders and since then i've always like my ears always perk up when people talk about the borders and i think it's something um 
it's not an isolated part of Scotland, but you guys are doing something and you're not just doing it small, you're making a splash in the borders. So um, you might be young, as you said, Emily, but you're definitely making an impact in all that you do. And even with the podcast, like the fact that you've got different generations of people listen to your um, podcast. So you are definitely causing an impact. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, so thank you very much.